is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. Oh, I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wenzel. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording from the top of the spooky Ferris wheel at the spooky Smogville World Fair, it is World Champion Podcast. I am Spooky Brighton. And I am Sean Block, the Spooky. Mixed it up there. Yeah, tried to make it a like a title. Yeah, like the Kingslayer. Mm-hmm. I get it. Well, anyway, we're two podcasters. We signed a bad contract with the Smogville World Fair in Smogville, USA. So here we are, forced to record almost every week. And it's basically a freeform conversation. So we talk about various things. Sometimes we talk about 80s pop culture or heavy metal or veganism or... Unexplained mysteries. Unexplained mysteries. We've got one of those coming up. Nice. We've got a lot coming up today. But uh, meanwhile, uh, you may have noticed we took last week off. Hopefully you noticed and we're sad. Right. And I have a, a, a pretty good humble brag about it, I think. Don't you hate it when you're too exhausted to record your podcast because you're filming a large television show, a big, big show. Boy, typical Sean and Brighton. Mm -hmm. They spend two days in front of the cameras and then, oh, they need a nap instead of recording the show. Right. They were long days. Very, very long, exhausting days. They were long, exhausting days. And we've hinted about this a little bit. We never have come out and explicitly said what was going on. So we should probably talk about that. All right, let's do it. We're not going to go into too much detail yet. Right. We'll talk about this this television show once it airs. Yeah. But as you know, we started sort of talking about UFO stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, frankly, it was because of the new X-Files. Yeah, that really was why, huh? Yeah. And you'd never really watched the X-Files, but you watched the new ones and got into it. Mm-hmm. And started talking about UFOs on the show. And uh, people were writing in with their UFO experiences, and we dug a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And we came to the attention of a producer in Hollywood of a show for the History Channel that Mm -hmm. does deal with not just UFOs, but any sort of unexplained type. Yeah, and then he called us on his car phone and said, Babe, I love what you're doing, babe. We need you. Hollywood needs you. Exactly. And we, we, we heed the call. We heed the call, so we went exploring... And you'll have to watch the show to learn the, the truth, or the, just the details. But we did go exploring the mysterious Dugway Proving Ground, which is about 80 miles southwest of Salt Lake City. Right. Very large military facility that is purported to be a hot spot for... And now I, we, this is one thing I'll give away. We learned that they're called UAPs now by people in the know. Unidentified aerial phenomenon. UFO is a dated term. Right. And basically because when you say UFO, you're picturing that little green guy from the Flintstones. Right. What was his name? Shazam? It was the great... Oh, the great Gazoo. Yeah, the great Gazoo. Yeah. Or I think of Marvin the Martian, kind of. I Just anyone that's kind of small and big-headed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. And green and from the cosmos. Marvin the Martian, Gazoo. The singer of Radiohead. He's really little and has a big head. I was looking at a photo of him recording the new album, and I was like, wow, 
He's weird looking. Yeah, that's why they're called Radiohead, because that was his nickname as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we filmed the show, and we were too exhausted to to also record the podcast. We are only men. Yeah, and it was a really neat experience. It was surreal. Yeah, sorry for keep clearing my throat on the mic, but you're just going to have to deal with it, because I don't give a shit. I'm Hollywood. (laughs) That's right. Now that we're Hollywood, I'm too big for this podcast. Oh, you're going to tell me, you know, you can tell me what to do? Just wait until they see what I start wearing. Yeah. I'm going to start wearing capes, fashion turbans. I'm going to start looking like a magician from the 40s. On the cutting edge of, of avant-garde fashion. Yeah. Um, but no, amazing experience. We spent a lot of time out in the desert. I got to see some stuff I'd been interested in for a long time and had never seen before. Mm-hmm. We, uh, Well, you'll have to tune in and see. It's going to air sometime in the fall, maybe. Yeah. We will absolutely let you know. Obvi- yeah, I, I think we'll obviously. Keep, we'll keep you updated. Gee, guys. Give me a heads up when that show's on. No, you're going to ask us to stop telling you when it's on. And uh, when it does come on, we will do like sort of a more behind the scenes kind of podcast, just talking about our experiences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do that before the show airs and kind of spoil everything. Spoil everything. That's but, no fun. Yeah. But uh, it was cool. Just, I mean, my favorite part is when they said, as the sun was setting, let's get the hero shot. Yeah. And then I, I found out that's a filmmaking term. I just thought they were referring to to just us. I just that's and what, they yeah. were they were they were. But I was like, yeah, we're heroes. I was like, that's right. Let's get a hero shot. I'm the hero of this show. Yeah, but a tr- hero shot is just a certain type of shot. Nicole. Oh, it's going to be dramatic. Yeah, I'm super excited. So now, have you seen that that uh, Jim Carrey movie where he starts seeing things like numbers? I think it's called the number twenty seven. Um, Maybe I made that up. That's so weird because I just saw it this morning. <laughs> So basically, no. I, I think I ha- it's twenty three. Okay, I because it was it was sponsored by Dr Pepper, which has twenty three ingredients. Oh, that's cool. That's kind of fun. That that took away the creepiness and made it just kind of just modern fun capitalism. So I've never seen that movie, but from what I understand, he starts seeing the number twenty three and lots of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I've taken this as the first sign when you're seeing lots and lots and lots of coincidences. This seems like the first sign of of going insane, right? We can all agree on that. I think so. Well, after filming this, this television show about supernatural stuff, about UFOs, I started having coincidences that I, to the point where I actually wrote, wrote down a little diagram of things that happened all within a week of filming this TV show, in order. And, and I'm just going to lay it on you right now. So we, we filmed the UFO show, right? UAP. UAP show. So I, I listened to Megadeth's Rust in Peace. That was because the, the drummer of the band had died. So I listened to that album. The album cover is Vic Rattlehead. They're like skeleton They're skeleton guy. guy. He's like the, the Iron Maiden Eddie guy. I guess, I guess apparently in the 80s, if you were in a metal band, you had to have some sort of zombie guy mm-hmm. that's on all your shit. Yeah. So it's Vic Rattlehead. And he's, and he's above this, this uh, like, cryog- it's either a cryogenic thing or it's a missile. But it's got an alien in it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I listened to the record, and I'm, I'll, I'll talk about it more later, but there is a song called Hangar 18, which is kind of the big song off the album, and it's all about like UFOs and government cover-ups and government like conspiracies. So that's weird. So after listening to that, I, I was like, okay, I want to I research some more like the genres of metal. And I started reading this book called Lords of Chaos, a book about the Norwegian black metal scene. And I read about this band called Venom and, and the history of uh, Countess Bathory, which is 
like this vampire woman from like the 1600s. It was like a real life lady that bathed in yeah. in virgin's blood, right? Yeah. So I read about this, the, all these bands that uh, that are all in, into Bathory. There's even a band called Bathory. But I was reading about Venom Bathory. I went to sleep the next morning. I went up and to see the X Men movie, and there is that song Venom, uh, Countess Bathory, in the soundtrack of uh, an old night, like early '80s black metal song. So then I started thinking, that's really weird. Like, that is such a weird chain of events. Then I got home and read the book some more. And Count Grishnok, he is the, the one-man band of Burzum, who's this Norwegian black metal band. Okay. He thinks... What the hell is black metal? You keep saying it like anybody knows. Okay, well, I'll, I'll get... by it. anybody, I mean anybody in this room. Okay, black metal is basically, you take kind of... There's like heavy metal, and then it got more extreme, like death metal, and like... More, more crazy. And then black metal was just turning it into like really satanic. Mm. So it got, they, and then they added kind of almost like church organs and they, they just try to make their stuff super, super satanic. See, that doesn't make sense to me because I think all rock and roll music is satanic. It is satanic, but this is more satanic than some of the other satanic. Okay, more than even Jerry Lee Lewis. Or, this is or more satanic than Twisted Sister. Whoa! More satanic than, yeah, than Elvis or, or Great Balls of Fire or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So Norwegian black metal. These guys are actually lunatics. This book was kind of blew my mind. Yeah. So Count Grishnok, he believes that a- that humans come from aliens mixed with with uh, human like not even humans like almost old Bible guys or something like giants. There's like fallen angels or something in the Bible. The Bible's more metal than I than I knew before I read this book. I haven't read the Bible, but there's some pretty heavy metal stuff in it. And the aliens came down, and they mated with the, these eight fallen angels, and that created mankind. So now you're back to aliens. So back to the TV show. So it was a big circle that went from aliens, heavy metal aliens, metal, meet the song in the X-Men movie. It was just kind of weirding me out. Well, it's weird that you mentioned that you've been experiencing a lot of coincidences, because I've also been experiencing a lot of coincidences since we got done filming the show. That is a coincidence. And I think the one that kicked it all off, and this isn't something that will appear on the show at all, is uh, there was someone telling us, and I'm not going to give you any context for it, but he was mentioning, he's like, think of something long, yellow, and metal. Mm. And made out of metal. And you said, oh, metal banana. (laughs) But... um, no, he was he this this person was talking about a school bus specifically. Right. But he said long like he's like, imagine you're trying to guess what something along yellow and metal is. The next day we found ourselves riding in a like fifties automobile mm-hmm. that was huge as they were. It was long. And yellow. And metal. Made cars were made out of metal. And so that was the first thing where I thought, that's really weird that that kind of random thing would be mentioned, and then now here we are with this car. And ever since then, there's been a lot of coincidences I've been noticing, which I haven't written down any of them, mm-hmm. but just that weird stuff where I'll, I mean, it's all that Bader Meinhof kind of stuff yeah. we talked about where you just notice them once you notice them, but where, you know, I'll be talking about something and then my girlfriend will mention it later and we haven't talked about it. And it's, and then I'll see a billboard, like all that kind of crazy stuff. I wanted to build a crazy board and you know, gosh, I guess I don't, I, I don't have a job. I could build a crazy board. I'm you wasting should. my time. Yeah. Go get some go get some yarn. Go get some some safety pins. And you're you're ready. Get some cork. 
I need a cork board. You I need g- some maps. I need a printer, I guess. Yeah, like printer's like, yeah, that's like the most important thing to a modern day obsession board. You definitely need a printer. Yeah. That's kind of why mine is, is just a, is nothing on it. Yeah, that's my biggest barrier to entry is the prices of ink. It's true. Yeah. It's expensive. And Polaroids, right? now Polaroids are even expensive. The truth know? costs money. Lots of money. Truth costs money. That's our motto. So is this the first step of us discovering the truth about the, the UFO phenomenon? Right, or, or is this... Because this, this is going to inspire us to build a crazy board. Right. And then it's all... Downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we can pretty much say goodbye to everything else in life, because... <laughs> We're all about crazy boards now. <laughs> We're going to lose our minds and lose everything. So you mentioning Jim Carrey's number 23 reminded me of all the weird 23 stuff I once researched, probably like 20 years ago. I was kind of big Spe- on the 23 specifically stuff. Specifically 23? Specifically 23. So is that from something before the movie? Is that a phenomenon? The 23 Enigma. That's a well-known and thing. just the 23 thing, yeah. Okay. Like, Explain that. Well, I don't want to get into it now. I'd like to actually... Um, do a little more research. Really research and, it? Okay. And then I'll present that next week. So look forward to that, the 23 okay. Enigma. You know what sucks? I just mentioned I don't have a job. and the Well, there's a lot that kind of sucks about that. <laughs> but I can't buy as many toys as I used to. Right. That's the biggest thing that sucks. Yeah. I used to just love every paycheck, buying a, buying a couple little knickknacks to put on top of my fridge. Um, I did find a Target, and I saw the Finn from Star Wars The Force Awakens. So with, in his stormtrooper outfit with the blood, with the blood on it, and I, because I, I love that, I like I love things with blood on them, <laughs> especially when they're helmets, okay. stormtrooper helmets, nice. And I had to, it was twenty bucks because it was the Star Wars Black series. Yeah, Have you ever those, seen those? those are really fancy. Yeah. yeah, so I've been avoiding all those because I just thought these are too expensive. I can't go down that road. Like, oh, I need, let's see, I need an eleventh version of Luke Skywalker in his white pajamas. Yep, because now it's. Slightly bigger. <laughs> Seriously, do you know how many versions of Luke Skywalker in his white pajamas of toys I have? That you have specifically? Oh, yeah, because it's like, oh, well, this one. Are you into Luke? Well, I just was obsessively buying Star Wars toys in the late 90s, I have, early 2000s. I have, and, I, and I was a Luke fan. but I, I sort of was as well, and I have the very first. It's the first series they did when they started remaking when Star Wars. When they were Wars way Wars. muscly? Yeah, so I, yeah. Have the, I have the Luke that's really buff. Yeah. And his pajamas are even open down to his navel almost. And he's got like pecs yeah. and like a six pack. And then I got the next one where he's all scrawny, where they fixed it like right. two years later. So that's why I have so many, because they kept introducing new features. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, oh, finally, this is the perfect one. So I have the super buff one, the mm-hmm. He-Man one. <laughs> then I have the one that's normal. And then they released one where his elbows bend. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they released one that comes with that mask uh, that he wears when he's practicing his lightsaber. How the the like blaster helmet or whatever? Or? Yeah, huh? So I had to get that one, and then they released one where he has like his binoculars on his belt and a lightsaber handle. So I had to get that one. Wow! And it just goes on and on like that, and that's how Star Wars toys work. Yep. So anyway, I got this Finn Black series, and I even didn't open it because I just kept thinking I got to take this back. <laughs> I got to return it and use that twenty dollars on something else, like, like bills. Like bills or... It's a big one. Groceries. Right. Ways to keep the electricity on. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but no, so I finally opened it and it was so awesome and it's really bendy. I mean, it's not bendy like mm-hmm. like Gumby Man. It's bendy like where <laughs> joints and stuff go. It's got like a thousand points of articulation. Yeah, and it looks rad. And then, and then I put it on the shelf next to this metal Kylo Ren. It's awesome. I got it from the Disney store. It's this metal Kylo Ren without his mask on. So he looks, just looks exactly like Jon Snow. <laughs> so I put them next to each other, and then I was like, well, shit, Finn is like an inch shorter than Kylo Ren. And Kylo Ren's tall, but he's not that much taller. So then I thought, 
now I have to get the Kylo Ren that matches this Finn. It makes sense. But that's ridiculous (laughs) because I'm going to have Finn and Kylo Ren and not have Rey. Come on. Right. Bullshit. And what's Rey without BB-88 or whatever? Well, that's the nice thing is BB-8 comes with Rey. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's even added incentive. And then Captain Phasma didn't have a pretty a very big role in the movie, but she's got a pretty bitchin' cape and it's, that silver armor. It's so cool. then I got to get Captain Phasma. Now I'm $100 into this already. What about Greedo? Is Greedo in it? He should be. Well, no, because now it's like, well, I've got all these new characters, you and I'm just going to ignore old, my old right, favorites. you got to get the old ones. No, so I get Greedo. Oh, who's Greedo threatening? Then i got to get Han. And then if you got Han. Now I've got Han, Han and not Luke. And Chewie. And Chewie. Chewie, Chewie goes with, with Han. Like, that's, you know. Yeah. They go together like whatever. Like Han and Chewie. Like Han and Chewie. Yeah. But then, oh, just Han and Chewie running around. Where's the Rebel Alliance? Right. You know, where's and Princess Leia? Who are they running from? Darth Vader. Who are they Vader, running from? Right? Darth Vader. Who's oh, Darth, Darth Vader? Vader by himself. Where's his army? Yeah. Now I got to buy three stormtroopers to stand behind Darth Vader. And who, who, who's Darth Vader's master? You got to have the Emperor. I got to have the Emperor. What does the Emperor fly around in? You got to get a Death Star. So now I got all this stuff. Oh, yeah. No, this is a cool collection, but where's only the coolest character in the whole trilogy? Boba Fett. I got to get Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not Dangar and Bosk. <laughs> and then that's when it kills you, when you realize you just spent $20 on Dangar, the guy with a Band-Aid on his head, <laughs> who has no lines <laughs> and is overweight. <laughs> that's true. That's when, that's when, it, it all cr- that's when your comes, addiction comes crashes crashing down, down. Is when he fought Dengar. And, and, he- it, and it literally comes crashing down because that's where you're putting your last box on top of the other unopened boxes and they crumble on you like, right. like, like bricks falling from a wall. And if anyone doesn't know who Dengar is, first of all, probably everyone knows who Dengar is. Mm-hmm. But there's that amazing scene in Empire Strikes Back when they go, Bounty Hunters... And there's all these like five super mysterious, cool looking guys. And oh, you don't yeah. know anything about them. And he says to Boba Fett, no disintegrations. And Boba Fett looks awesome. Then Dengar's the guy who looks like he has the mumps and <laughs> bonked his head like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> and he's got armor on, but you can tell he's, he's fat under the armor. Yeah. But he's just got this white bandage around his head that goes under his chin. Like, like he hit his head and then something went boop. Yep. So that's when you've gone too far. And, and Dengar's backstory in the expanded universe is that he was in a race with Han Solo, and like Han Solo crashed into him, and then he bumped his head. What, he's literally supposed to be injured? Yeah. It's not some alien fashion or something? No, he's injured because Han Solo bumped into his car. How long ago was this race? Why is he still wearing bandages? I don't know, man, but he holds a grudge. Can you imagine showing... So you're, you're, you've got hired by the, the Galactic Empire. That's a pretty big... Uh, What's the word? Person to work for. Yeah. And, or gr- group to work for. And you're going to go to your job interview with your head wrapped in bandages. You're not going to take that off and put on a fedora or something? Try to, <laughs> try to like, you know, cover it up? Try to look a little classier. You just walk, yeah. Do you think they walked in and Darth Vader was like, what happened to you? Like, are you currently injured? So that's why the Imperial guys were so irritated with Darth Vader for hiring the bounty hunters. They probably were. So Dengar's got a Band-Aid on his head. Bosk isn't even wearing shoes. Yeah. IG-88 has no resume. He didn't bring anything. No, no. He just, just, just kind of showed kinda up. swiveled his head yeah, around. Yeah, his little robot head. Zuckus and Forlom, they can't even tell which one's which. Right. No, th- what they're annoyed about is how unprofessional these people are. Like, yeah. you, you can't Darth... You mind if I call you Darth? You can't seriously think about hiring any of these clowns. This guy showed up like he just got out of the hospital. <laughs> he just walks in. I'm surprised he's not wearing uh, those like gowns with his ass hanging out. <laughs> he just like escaped from, from the hospital without paying his bill. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Did, did they kids. ever have a, a Death Star toy, like a play set? Is that one of those things that there are always rumors about where, like, a kid would say, oh, yeah, my cousin has the Death Star, and you know, I don't ever saw yeah, it? I kind of feel like that was, maybe. And they had little play sets that was like the, the hallway of the yeah, Death Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's more exciting as a kid, it's Christmas morning, you get your hallway, you get your gray metal hallway, you get your Dengar action figure. <laughs> yeah. like, wow, I have a corporate hallway and a bandage head guy to walk down it. <laughs> this is so fun. So much fun. What a time to be a kid. It's like I saw the, the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor toy at Target. Oh. Could... <laughs> again, just the poor kid that gets that. Yeah. Like, look, I got you Lex Luthor. You no, know, he likes that. What does he like? Superman? He uh, likes Superman. Oh, they don't have any. All the yeah. Superman figures are sold out. Do you but... think any child got that? Or, or any child wanted that? I'm sure the, everyone that bought it were parents not knowing anything about Star Wars. Yeah. And they're like, just, just grab one, goddammit. Like, but, and then adult like weirdos that, yeah. that that build a wall that comes crashing down on them yeah. of of it's Jesse true. Eisenberg like, and yeah. and Dengar whatever his uh, last name was yeah where you get your your figure of um, Michael Caine as Alfred the Butler <laughs> uh, where it's essentially just a figure of Michael Caine yeah it's not like, really any like you think about action figures you, you get Batman he's in his little Batman suit that's exciting and stuff but you're starting now that it's the point where they make car- uh, toys out of every character you're literally getting a British guy an old British guy that's wearing a suit and that's it and imagine the fun you could have on that day when you're playing with him oh there's a lot of those I actually briefly considered trying to start a collection of the most boring action figures mm-hmm. of the guys in the suits because there's a lot none of them are coming to mind right now but um Oh, like Harvey Dent before his before he got burned. Before he got burned is was there a toy of that? There's, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was. Yeah. Even Bruce Wayne. Even if you get Bruce Wayne when he's not yeah. Batman, he's just a guy, like just man. I remember when the 1989 Batman movie came out, and you couldn't find Batman or the Joker anywhere. You could only find the other two toys in the. Set. It was like henchmen. Maybe. It, it was Bob the henchman. Yep. And, Bob the henchman and uh, Bruce Bruce Wayne, which was. This it was just a guy, just a dude uh-huh. wearing like a sweater <laughs> that sort of had a Batman logo on it. Yeah, I, I remember in those days as a kid seeing Bob. Like you go to every single store, look at the toys. It's all Bob. It's all Bob the Goon. Anyway, that's uh, that's my toy collecting update. Okay. Um, here's something that you're you're not going to believe, and no one's going to believe, okay. but it happened to me yesterday. All right, and it totally sounds like something that you're going to see on Reddit slash R slash that happened. Oh, okay. Which is where you post things that didn't actually happen. Right. Um, I saw a panhandler mm-hmm. holding up a sign that had their GoFundMe on it. <laughs> Wait, what? It didn't say, How? like, homeless, please help, uh, veteran, what a- food, laid off. It said GoFundMe. And then had like what their GoFundMe handle was. What was, was the person young? I'm assuming relatively it was a, young. It was like a middle aged woman. Really? Yeah. And she was standing at the freeway entrance. Is this the future of pan- Do you think blah, that's blah, blah. working? Have you gone to her? Do you remember her name? I don't remember what it was. I, I wasn't at a light, so I was zooming by. She may have come up with, a, with like a genius idea or a really stupid idea. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm always curious about how many people give money to panhandlers. Are you making a killing doing that? Or are you? That's the thing. Yeah, people always get so mad about panhandlers because there's a perception that's probably true that they're not really homeless. They're not really veterans. Right. They're just you know too lazy to work. And I think yeah, I guess it, it's annoying if you think about it, but just don't give them money then. And also, I can pretty much guarantee that your life is better than theirs. 
Oh, yeah. Even if they are just too lazy to work. No, no. You're, you're probably still doing way better than they are. Just think about the boredom. Yeah. Like, that. that's the one thing. I would, if I was as down on my luck as I could get, I would get a job anywhere just because yeah. I could not imagine standing in one spot for eight hours. I would just yeah. lose my mind. Holding a sign. Holding a sign. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah so love, boring. The, yeah. And the cardboard sign Sharpie thing is such a cliche because a poster board, a proper poster board probably costs less than a Sharpie. Oh, so you mean it could be like the sign you take to a basketball game? Yeah, I think like, the cardboard sign is just a cliche really to make pops. Them, to make them. Yeah, but I think the cardboard sign is just to make them look more down in their luck. Like they might, they should also get a top hat with the top half blown Ripped off, off. Yeah. and then like a, a little stick with a handkerchief on yeah. it, and then they could have they could be eating a boot for yeah. dinner. Because the cardboard sign, if you're go, you're writing on it with a thick marker, mm-hmm. let's say that costs a dollar forty nine. At the Safeway, I'm sure you can get a giant white poster board for also about a dollar forty nine. It's true. I don't know. And then put your GoFundMe on it. Go for, that's that's really so. Crazy. That means they have internet access. I mean, I guess the public libraries, you know, but still. Oh, that they must have a bank. Account. I want to. I want to go to this GoFundMe. I'm very curious. Well, this I'll, is such a a weird. It does seem like almost fake. Like almost. It almost seems like something in a sitcom. Well, does it sounds like something that I would make up and then make a meme out of it. To make a point about like hard work, I'd say share this if you think they should get a job. Yeah, but uh, no, I told I I seen it, huh? I seen it for real. And then everyone stood up and started clapping. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> all the other that happened. Cliches. So I pulled over and they came up to my car and instead of giving them change, I gave them the directions to the to the Department of Workforce Services. Right. And then everyone got out of their cars and clapped. Yeah. Uh, that's that's how the, those that happened story ends. Yeah, and just to be clear, the uh, the that happened stories. I hope our listeners are getting a sense of these. They happen no matter what your political spectrum is. Right. Whether you are, uh, you know, big one is like a French guy comes up to a an army guy <laughs> and says like, "Do you hear you you're, you kill babies?" And the army guy says, "Well, if you'd done your job." We'd have more babies. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be forced to do mine or something. Yeah, something like that. And then everyone claps. Or there's something where it's like a girl is buying Led Zeppelin CDs, and the clerk says, uh, "You must be mistaken." Oh, she's not. This cool is a real enough. one that I saw. She's not cool enough for Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you must yeah. be mistaken. It's the, a girl. It's, the Britney it's, Spears are over there. Or it's, something. That's exactly what it was, and that was a real thing. It was someone, literally Britney Spears. From the t- no, it was One Direction. Oh, okay. She's like, I was at the record store buying Led Zeppelin CDs, and the clerk said, "Sorry, let me take those from you. The One Direction CDs are over there." And I said, and then I pulled out a guitar and played the solo <laughs> from Heartbreaker. <laughs> And his jaw hit the floor. <laughs> and then everyone in the record store clapped. clapped. Yep. Yeah, mic drop, and then she left with her Led Zeppelin album. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That happened. That happened. Tell us your that happened stories. Yeah, that's... Because uh, <laughs> our email address. <laughs> Man, See? who cares? We're Hollywood now. We're big TV stars. We don't give a shit how this turns out. No, we're not supposed to. And I, I don't know my email. Talk to my manager. Yeah, talk to my agent. My, my email address. My agent does all the Twitter stuff. I don't care about tweeters and, and, all, and, and emails and all that. I have a phone, and the only person who has the number is my agent. So you text my agent, and then he passes it on to me. Well, no. My, I have two phones. My agent has my work phone. My phone is just for my Coke dealer. And okay, just, And yeah. then, like, other celebrity, like... 
like uh, Paris Hilton. What are they called? Debutantes? What's Other the tr- debutantes, socialites. Socialites, you know. I'm, Tastemakers. I'm, I'm seeing out me and Ashton Kutcher wearing our, like, what are those hats called? Those, like, farmer hats they bought? <laughs> trucker hats. Like John Deere or something? Yeah. Wasn't a John Deere? Why am I grooving? You know something <laughs> grooving? Yeah. Yeah. You I can't just see noticed, us, but Sean is, like, bobbing I'm his like head. I'm, like, bobbing my head yeah. like I'm listening to music. Like there's a beat going on. I guess that's Hollywood Sean. It is, yeah. Because there's oh, because when you're a Hollywood guy like us, mm-hmm. there's always music playing. Because we hired a DJ. It's like Entourage. We hired a personal DJ, and he just kind of brings it down a bit when we're talking. Yeah, it's he's like got a, he's got a it's, <laughs> he's got a, like a thing around his neck, <laughs> like you know those those old timey women at casinos that had like the cigarette tray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got that, but he's got a laptop like, in it. No, it's D, it's like rec, it's, it's like two, DJ like two records. He's okay. like scratching, and then so then on his back he's got his record case mm-hmm. and so a speaker. He follows us around. He looks like like Dick Van Dyke from yeah from uh, Mary Poppins. He's and got they, one of those helmets that you put beer cans in, but instead of beer cans, he's got a couple of speakers. Right, and then he just basically follows you, me, Johnny Muncho, and Tortoise around as we do our Hollywood stuff. As we look for babes, mainly. Yeah, where would we be without Johnny Muncho and Tortoise <laughs> riding around in our big yellow convertible, just just cruising? Yeah, yeah. but so we at no wait, what's our? It's it's. No, that's, that's is that what, what you did? Say, is I was going to say we at. Fight for calm. No, don't email it. Don't send anything there. No one's checking that. What, what's our new email? We've only been doing this for six months. Yeah, worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. All right, perfect. Send us your that happened stories, whether they're real or whether someone told them to you and you doubted their veracity. Or if you make it up and just tell us it's real, because that's almost all that that happened. Another, one, another theme of those things is getting banned from a store for making a joke, which is something that's never happened to anyone ever. <laughs> But it's like, oh, the cashier walked away. So I got on the microphone and said, like, look out for trolls in aisle four. And then, and then, and then like, dot, 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 I'm banned from that Walmart. <laughs> there's a lot of those. And then there's a lot of, like, witty retorts to cops to get out of a ticket. Huh. It's, it's interesting the themes that just naturally evolve in these stories. Yeah. So that's a big one is the officer said, do you know how fast you're going? And I said, well, officer, if I knew how fast I was going, I wouldn't have been eating my soup. <laughs> so it would have been a, yeah. a snappier retort than that, is what you're saying. A much snappier retort than that. <laughs> See, this, that's never happened to me. That's why. That's right. You make some snappy retort to a cop who then, without a word, unclicks his pen, puts it back in his pocket, and then walks back to the car. Right. It's, it's all mic drop situations. Yeah. Or he says, like, sir, have a good day. Right. Excuse me, do you know how fast you were going? No, but I knew how fast I was going when I was fighting for your freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, have a nice day. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. That's a. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Um, all right. Let's get on to one of our main topics. Okay. We debuted this segment last week. Mm, yes. Uh, we've come with a name. It is called Mysteries of the Mysterious. Mm. I don't know that we're going to do this every week, but we are going to. One of us is going to present to the other some sort of mystery. From the world, and but we're not just going to talk about it and scratch our heads. We're going to try to solve we it. Solve we solve it. We're going to try to solve it to the best of our ability. With all our know-how, we do what no one else has been able to do, including law enforcement and and, and judges and and lawyers scientists. and everything. Scientists, everything. We are going to solve the problem in one episode. Right. And what's the name of our show? It's World Champion Podcast. That's right. It's not Number One Contender Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not Promising Rookie Podcast. This isn't Soda Popinski Podcast. No, we're Mike Tyson. Yeah. Or uh, 
Who did they replace Mike Tyson with after he went to prison? Did they do that? Yeah, they replaced Mike Tyson with some fictional guy named like. Did he look Ch- like Mike, champion Mike, Bob or Mike something? Tyson? Was it just basically Mike Tyson without his name? Or without what, his or, name? <laughs> or was it Super Macho Man? They filled in the gap in his in his teeth. Because the guy, or, or was it Sandman? Who's the guy right before Mike Tyson? Is it Sandman? I think Sandman's right before Mike Tyson. Um, yeah, let's let's figure this after. I think Super Macho Man is right before Mike Tyson, maybe. Um, oh, okay. I think the rumor was that. <clears throat> Okay, the rumor was that it was when he went to prison. Mm-hmm. So what happened is the license expired, and Mike Tyson had just lost to Buster Douglas. Oh, okay. And it was a big shocking upset. So then Nintendo decided not to renew it. Because obviously if you're this dominant, famous person and you lose one match... Right, you're, you're finished. So they replaced him with Mr. Dream. Mr. Dream? Yeah, Mr. Dream. Well, I don't like that because it sounds too much like Mr. Sandman. Well, yeah, but the Sandman guy was right before... Was just he was one of the top contenders. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. This doesn't really tell me what order they're in. But uh, yeah, yeah, right. That, that's another reason to write in. Is it Sandman or is it Super Macho Man? Who's right before Mike Tyson? And have you ever? How far have you ever gotten in Punch Out? I don't think I've ever made it past Bald Bull. I knocked out Mike Tyson once. I don't. You, what? Yeah. You lie. That happened. Yeah, it did. And then no one believed that I could do it, and then I did it, and everyone stood up and clapped in the room. Yeah. Taos, New Mexico. All right. Now, you obviously know it as the birthplace of Julia Roberts. Right. That's how most people know it. That's how most people know it, up until the 90s when an episode of Unsolved Mystery, Mysteries, Unsolved Mysteries. Mysteries of the Mysterious. Mysteries of the Mysterious, did a, a segment on the hum, the Taos Hum. The hum. Now, I wanted to bring this up because last week, well, last episode, we were talking about infrasound. Right. Is that what it's called? Infrasound? Yeah, that inf- doesn't sound right. Infra. No, that's right. Infrasound. Infrasound, which I've come to blame everything on is infrasound. Even like insomnia. Insomnia, headaches. Hunger pangs, hunger everything. Hunger pangs, unease. Your pants being too tight. That's all Malaise. infrasound. It's all infrasound. Okay, I agree. So the hum is a phenomenon. It's been reported in a lot of places. Um, the most famous one is in Taos in the U.S. There's one in the U.K. in Bristol. Okay. In Bristol. Bristol. Yeah, you, you heard that hum there in Bristol. Okay. So basically it's what it sounds like. It is a hum. It is a low-frequency hum that everyone can hear and that no one can find the source for. Uh, throughout the web, there's a lot of reproductions of the hum, but there's no actual recordings because like those pesky UFOs and ghosts, it's hard to actually capture them so is on it, film. So it's not, is, it's not a constant hum, then? It is a constant hum. Oh, it's a constant hum and no one can record it? It's a it? constant hum, but it just, it's too low to be recorded, or it just doesn't show up on tape. It's like I learned last night. I was drawing, doing a drawing in colored pencil, and then when you try to photograph it, all the nuance is gone. Like yeah. I, I might as well have not used the neon colors I use and all yeah. the all the shading. It was kind of frustrating. I took a bunch of photos and I was like, "This." So I imagine it's the same thing where you're like, "All right, record." Yeah, and then you're like nodding to your friends like, "We we got this." And then when you play it back, all you hear is just a room with you like, just hear wind. You and hear your shoes squeaking and yeah, wind clearing and your maybe, throat. Yeah. Maybe your your washing machine startup, air conditioner, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah but but tone. not but no no hum. No hum. So there, there's, it says there's one purported recording of the hum. 
But it keeps people up at night. I've, I saw interviews with people in Taos, and they said they just moved there, and then they wake up in the middle of the night, and they hear this hum. How, um, how, and, and lots of people hear it. How loud is it? Um, it's just one of those annoying background things. Now, is it a, mm. is it a high-pitched hum? No, it's a low hum. So it's like... In fact, there is an interview on YouTube. We'll link to the YouTube. Uh, <laughs> okay. They do interview a guy who's who's like trying to do it, and he's like, you know, it's just a hum. It's it's sort of like this. <laughs> so and then he adds a disclaimer, like, well, I don't know what what note it is, but <laughs> <laughs> so I might be humming an hum, E hum, note, hum, and it's an A. It's more of a C. Yeah. Wow. So oh. so you you had high hopes for this this video, and it was just ho hum. There you go. I, I brought a dad joke. I gotta throw in a dad joke. <laughs> Mic drop, dad joke. I'm leaving. So uh, they've had scientists come in to try and find the source, and the, and the bass they describe it as a hum or like a big engine idling off in the distance. So very similar to what we described as infrasound. Of course, this is being heard. Infrasound's whole key is that it's below the range of hearing. Right, and you also will tear down the curtains and bash through the window yeah. to get out. Um, but this is something you can actually hear. Auckland, New Zealand has a lot of hums. Um, Taos, um, like I said, Bristol. So, so this Unsolved Mysteries thing brought a lot of attention to it. What is Julia Roberts' stance on this? Has anyone asked her? Maybe that's our key it, to finally it, getting her on the show. Is there humming when she's in town or just when she's out of town? Do you think maybe isn't she famous for her kind of her big lips? She could be humming herself. It could be her. Mm. 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 Um so it bothers people because they they were not able to find a source and they tried in Taos. Taos. Taos? Something like the scientific journal named it as number ten on the list of ten. Best unsolved mysteries. And there is, is there any sort of military bases or government things around there? Is there like a giant, like all the the electricity comes from right there in town? So like, that's like that's gotta... one of the theories is that there are giant engines underground that are providing power to Los Alamos, the famous military. Okay, there. well that right there. That's... Now why would that be a secret though? And what's powering the engines? Well, maybe they just don't. Maybe the government just doesn't give a shit about telling people. You know, they just yeah. do stuff, and then they're like, I'm not worrying about this. And then yeah. So it's not call- even a secret. It's just they're not telling. It's just bureaucracy. Someone yeah. calls the base and says, I'm hearing a big, loud hum. And then the, the secretary goes, all right, let me tell somebody. Let me put you on hold. And they send them somewhere else, and that person's like, what? I don't have time for this. I, I'm, yeah. I'm making ballistic missiles over here. And then it just kind of get, she ends up leaving a voicemail on unlike the guy that's in charge of, of all their, their like office supplies. Yeah, or just an answering machine in an empty room. In an empty room that's, that blinks forever. Like it, the camera zooms out, and it's got, it's got 666 unheard messages. Uh-huh, and then the Raiders of the Lost Ark theme starts playing. Yeah, and yeah. then there's a guy pushing a thing, and then it zooms out, and it's this huge warehouse with all answering machines. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's where every government phone call goes. Yeah. And no, and no one has listened to a phone call since World War II. Yeah. Or a message. No one's listened to an answering machine message. None like of the, them are even set up. It's like, the person you are calling, extension yeah. Yeah. 5412, mm-hmm. is not answering. Yep. Okay, so, so that's mecha- one theory. So mechanical devices, uh, so those engines. There was a, a similar case in Kokomo, Indiana. They thought they had traced the source of their hum. To a couple things, um, the cooling tower at the Daimler Chrysler plant. 
Okay. Or the air compressor intake at the Haynes International Plant. Haynes? The underwear. Uh, no, not Haynes, the underwear. Oh, okay. Haynes, which I don't know. I'm assuming they make jet engines or something. Probably. So, um, well, they, what, what would possibly be that loud, though? So they traced it to those sources, um, corrected the problem, and yet the hum persisted. Hmm. I'm afraid of factory. I'm more afraid of like factories than I am ghosts. I am Factories too. Factories frighten me. They're so big and sinister. Well, I just feel like there's so many instances where someone get this is all Aaron Brockovich stuff. Yeah. Where they're just like, oh, just dump the toxic waste into the local water supply. Who cares? We get, let's get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. And then they know that that even when they get in trouble, they can all just point fingers and be like, well, business. And everyone and well, all the politicians are like, oh, yeah. okay, business. Well, that's one thing about when we were going out to Tooele County, which is west of Salt Lake, mm-hmm. is this wasn't part of the show, but I was just pointing out all these places like, oh, here's this town that was declared uninhabitable after the ground caught on fire. That's right. Um, so here's another uh, interesting theory, is that everyone that complains about the hum suffers from tinnitus. <laughs> I kind of suffer now that from might tinnitus. Ex- and that might explain why there's no recordings of it, because it doesn't actually exist. But I think most tinnitus is, maybe I'm wrong, but the tinnitus I have is high-pitched. Yeah, I, typically I, I, it is high-pitched. There is a... Uh, well, it's hypothesized that there is a form of low frequency tinnitus, that's and that's what this hum is. But then, why is it, why is it low? Kind of focused around these epicenters. Yeah, it can't be that everyone just accidentally moved to the same neighborhood that had tinnitus. Yeah, or did they? Or, or did they? Spontaneous is so. Is it constantly that loud? Like, if it's waking people up in the m- middle of the night, this is twenty-four hours. Really loud. Yeah, it's, it, and it's just that you're usually not noticing it because you have other. There's white so noise many. Uh, you. So it's so. Oh, in the night it's quiet. That's the only difference. And then at night it's quiet, and when you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's quiet. Okay. Um, so it's not like Brad Pitt's apartment in Seven, where the guy just showed him the apartment in between all the train schedules. Oh yeah. And then when they moved in, it's just trains going by. <laughs> right. So this is actually, it's not like, like only at night where they're like, well, 5 p.m., let's go get dinner and get away from this house I'm showing you. And then somewhere there's a factory where the guy's like yeah, turning the crank flip it, on. Flipping it on. All right, yeah. 5 p.m., humming time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, spontaneous autoacoustic emissions. Not quite tinnitus, but basically where your ears are making their own noises. Hmm. Ca- um, caused by what? With blood pressure? Just yeah, just um, it just it just tri- just some kind of misfire in your brain. Yeah, well, just something with actually within your ear. So it sounds so loud because it's literally right in your ear, but it's maybe just but like your vi- ear- vibrations on your eardrum. Uh, so it sound generated from within the inner ear. Is that a real thing? Uh, it is a real thing, according to David Kemp in 1978, <laughs> who uh, demonstrated it experimentally. Uh, David Kemp is a professor at the UCL Ear Institute, okay. educated at King's College, and he is a fellow of the Royal Society. Oh. So, no, he knows his ear stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the theory. Um, going back to this video from Albuquerque, someone said that the Earth's crust is particularly thin in that area of New Mexico, and what we're hearing is the magma flowing below the surface. Well, that's too thin. That would be way too That's thin. a little horrifying if you're hearing magma from the middle of the earth. That's like being able to hear hell. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. And, I mean, the earth's crust is 25 miles 
Or what is it? Where's the magma? I thought it was like 15 feet, or 15 feet, 15 miles thick, right? Isn't it thick? Even, like, what are you talking when you say shallow? Like, eight feet, ten feet? If if you can hear it, that's either a hell of a lot of magma or it's a really thin crust. Ooh, that makes me want to get some pizza. Oh, good point. I'm kind of hungry. Should we pause and maybe come back? Yeah, thin crust, I'm thinking. Or do you want thick crust? I like a deep dish, but I could go for a thin crust. Kind of deep dish with that hot magma-like cheese in the middle melted? Oh, shit, coincidences. Huh. There's a pizza place about 23 minutes away. And we can get a 23-inch pizza, pizza for $23. And six, 666 cents. Whoa. Deep dish. No, let's pause and go get some. Okay. So what was okay, so, your thing? Um, oh, crust. We're talking about the earth's crust. Right, okay. Let's get back to the crust. Yeah, so... It looks like it's about five to eight miles thick, which, when you think about it, is an incredibly huge distance. It's pretty thick. And it, isn't, it doesn't go crust straight to magma, right? Isn't there other stuff? Then isn't there a bunch of Well, first, there, there, there's like a place where these underground-dwelling mole people live. Yeah, because the mole people have to be kind of close to the surface because they're popping out. Because the, the wing people are right in the center. Uh-huh. And I think you also have to go through all nine levels of hell before you get to the magma. Or else it's... Or, no, actually, I think there's magma in hell. Because it's always flowing in the background. Yeah, but there's still land. And there's stuff. still land. So I'm, I'm picturing a kingdom of underground people, like moloids, and then nine layers, kind of like a deep dish pizza, or like lasagna with layers. Or seven layer dip? Yeah, seven layer dip. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what the earth's like. Seven layers of hell. And then... And then magma, probably. And then Middle Earth. And then beneath the... In, oh, in so the center... That is where the Hobbit adventures Yeah, in place. the center. That's the middle of the Earth. We've already gone through science to figure that out. Uh, I know that they're, there's somewhere there's a big drill, maybe in Siberia, where they're just trying to see how far they can go just for kicks. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. There's so many things. These super colliders and this. This is just like, what are you doing? Like, what? let's, let's try to crack the sky. Okay. It's worth a shot. So the okay, the crust. I know it's that's see that stuff scares me way more than yeah. ghosts and goblins. Yeah, they, they've said that they've said these super colliders, if they get operational, will open a black hole on Earth. Yeah, so it'll suck the entire planet inside, all digging, seven you know? layers, and then the magma and, and us. Yeah, giant machines really frighten me. Like, have you ever seen a ship breaker? That uh, are they? It's this giant. They mach- break ice. No, it's this giant machine that eats ships. Like boats. Yeah, like cruise, like battleships. Like you gotta if when they're done and you want to break them up and get scrap metal. So picture how big a, like a battleship like... is, and then picture the thing that's big enough to eat it. So this is like a Michael Bay Transformer monster. Yeah, they're it just grind, grinds up ships and eats them. Yeah, they're utterly horrifying, and they're like they're in third world countries, of course, because then if people fall in, who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's really sad. It's so dangerous. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just an orphan. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that exists. That's horrifying. It yeah. sounds like something from hell. It is. Yeah. Straight from. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the crust is three to five miles thick. Very thick. Still. Man, you're getting I mean, hungry th- again. Th- I know. Crust. I'll, I'll get another piece. Yeah, let's get that cheese in the crust dish this time. Oh, yeah. Should we pause it? Yeah. Magma yeah. in the crust. Okay. Let's pause it. Okay. No, that was too much. That, that was, was too much that, cheese. I'm feeling kind of sick. I'm going to be dramatic here. Um, fuck, I don't even care anymore about this stuff. 
What are we talking about? The Earth's crust. <laughs> okay, the mantle is 1,800 miles thick. It flows at the same consistency as asphalt. Okay. I don't. That's thick. Very thick. It's very thick. It's like it's like chili, kind of. I don't know why I keep doing all these food. Well, do they mean analogy. asphalt when it's like being poured onto the road, or yeah. when it's solid? Okay. They mean when it's poured on the road. Okay. So anyway, that's one theory: is that the Earth's crust is thinner, and that's what the hum you're hearing. What is is what's making the hum though? Magma just it's the moving, magma flowing. just yeah, rubbing just the rubbing the against the crust. And that's, that's pretty intense. That's kind of a stupid theory. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Um, so uh, another theory in Teos specifically. So in this video, they then interview uh, a man who has this sort of uh, V tattooed on his face. Like it goes from his forehead to the tip of his nose and back up. A tattoo? Yeah. And then I can't tell if he has feathers in his hair or just really stiff dreadlocks. So this is definitely going to be an expert. Yeah, so his theory is that uh, there's this one mountain you can look at, and there's rumors that a spacecraft crashed there and is buried under the mountain, and the hum you're hearing is it trying to power back up. So is the hum like... Yeah. Like bad starter? Yeah, and then every once in a while you hear a Martian go, God damn it. Yeah. Kunk, kunk. Kunk. Yeah. Um, so they interview this guy for a long time and then he says, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere and I've, I've really never heard the hum myself. So he has a theory about the source, but he has never experienced it. And his theory, he doesn't, his theories are basically like, here's things I've heard from other people. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, okay. Here's the final theory. Okay. Fish. The band has been jamming. (laughs) They've just been jamming away. They got a short in one of their amps. Yeah, he's framping away on his bass. Is that well, you know, it? Yeah, you've, tra- you've plugged in. If you plug in a hot cable. It does. It does hum. Amp, yeah, before you plug it in, you get that hum. So it's fish. It is fish on with tour. A bold new sound. It is. You know, we might have. Okay. We solved it. We did it. We solved it. And I, I was going to hear that fish thing out, but, it, but I think that's pretty much it. It's got to be a feedback from a, from a fish speaker. So it's Trey Anatagio. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah, Anastasia or something. Yeah. Anastasia. Anastasia's chosen career. Yeah. So, okay, so it's them. I mean, I think they, they don't really tour as much as they used to. No. They maybe have even retired, but that's just a ruse. They're going for a new sound. They got to rehearse in the middle of no, because they're spiritual. Right. Of course they're going to rehearse in the New Mexico desert. Yeah, they want to go out in the desert. They want to be alone with all the drugs and everything and their thoughts, and then they just plug in, and they're just having – they're getting hot mics – they get yeah. little zaps on their mic. Yeah. They can't figure out the feedback thing. Just getting a lot of feedback. And then that's and that, you know, that's just the way these mysteries happen. Well, that's awesome. We're two for two. We are. I feel pretty confident about that answer. Yeah. Diet Love Pass solved. Right. The Taos hum solved. Solved. Two so, for I two. Mean, yeah. So batting it, a thousand. Batting a thousand. Again, I don't know if this will be a weekly. Uh, segment, but we're going to keep doing it, Mysteries of the Mysterious. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's where we would insert the theme song if we had one. All right. We'll start working on that. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a, maybe I'll, I'll put some infrasound in there. Put some infrasound. Make everyone just pull their, their own teeth out with pliers and stuff. Jump you, through the window. Did you ever watch the Real World London? Real World 4? I'm not sure. I probably did. There was, was there a guy uh, with spiky hair in it? Yeah, the guy with spiky hair was in a metal band, a terrible metal band. And one of his goals was to be able to hit this certain frequency, um, which they call the brown note, <laughs> which is a, cer- a certain infrasonic frequency. It is a form of infrasound mm-hmm. that makes you lose your bowels. 
And he wanted to do that at, at his concert? Yeah, his dream was to do that at one of his concerts so that everyone would shit their pants. In the entire crowd. Yeah, which I don't think is a way to make friends. It also seems like you would, couldn't do it without shitting your own pants. That's a good point. Like how, how, I guess he'll know when he succeeds, though. Where he goes, uh-oh, <laughs> right after he finishes jamming. Maybe that's what Fish is doing, trying to hit the brown note. Yeah, because so what's left? No. What's left to accomplish when you're Fish? Nothing but to blow your speakers. So it's been a busy week in metal. And, and this, this segment, Blow Your Speakers, is my attempt to become a metal elitist, one heavy metal album at a time. I like it. I want to know more. I want to mm-hmm. be able to be a snob. Yeah. So the thing I mentioned earlier about the book, this Lords of Chaos, it's about Nor- Norwegian black metal. All these satanic guys. This is the craziest. It almost doesn't seem like it could possibly be real. These are guys that are burning down churches. Burning down churches is how they start. Start it. Yeah. It gets so out of control. So they start by burning down lots of churches. But then they start getting crazier and crazier, where one, the drummer of this band called... Uh, a, I told you that music would no, scramble em- your brains. Emperor. Okay, so the, drum of Emperor, the drummer of Emperor, he went out and did a thrill kill. So this is kind of what kicked things off into getting out of control. Yeah. He went out one night to get a beer, and he thought, I'm just going to kill a random person. And he happened, a, a really drunk dude stumbled upon him, and, and he kind of lured this guy out in the woods and just stabbed him like 40 times. Killed him. And then he went and bragged to all his bros, like everyone in the yeah. black metal scene. And they were all like, whoa, cool. That's not cool. It's not cool. These guys are all lunatics. And so then it starts escalating to that they're doing the church burnings. They're, doing, they're kidnapping each other. The singer of the, the big local band, his name's Dead, now, is this, there's, there's one thing I know of. I think it's a band called Mayhem. Mayhem. That's it. That's it. Oh, is that what we're talking that's about? That's the band I'm trying to think of. Okay. So he's the th- singer of Mayhem. And this is a very disturbing story. It is. It gets Just m- a warning to people. I know. I should warn people how disturbing this gets. But yeah. I mean, I- I'm delving into some of the darker corners of the metal world. Yeah. He, so the singer kills himself, right? He, he, gets, he, he slits his wrist and then uses a shotgun. Gr- gruesome. On his on his head. Dome, on his head. Blow, blows yeah. his head off. Yeah. The, the other guy in the band, his name's Anonymous, who's not long for this world either, he finds him. And what do you do when you find one of your close friends dead with the top of his head blown off the oh, shotgun? You go buy a disposable camera. You buy a disposable camera. You take a bunch of pictures for your next album. You take pieces of his skull so you can make necklaces for everyone in the band. Like, I hope that someone's just real industrious when they find my corpse and they just think, we got to put this to good use, you know? They still you know, st- use my toenails for something. I, I, wanna, I want some industrious young friend to just really make the most of my corpse. They literally, I mean, I don't know why I said literally for something that's very believable. They used the picture for their next album cover. Right. So, of a guy with his head blown off. Yes. It, it's, it's, some, it's called the, the Dawn of the Black Hearts or something. And it's, I looked it up. It's literally... There, a dude with his head blown off with the album, like the band name above it, and it's their bro. <laughs> so that's like this is before things really get out of hand. And I was thinking, what are these dudes like? They all hung out in this this black metal shop in in Norway somewhere called Hell. The name of the shop was Hell, and the basement apparently was just 
kind of everyone kind of slept and, and came and went and they'd go meet up to burn down churches there. They, so there's this guy named Lord Grishnok, who I, I, or I mean Count Grishnok, who I mentioned earlier. And this dude is a straight up lunatic. And he, he's the one man band Burzum. Is he even a real count? I, I doubt it. He's probably as much of a count as Count Chocula. Or the Count from Sesame Street. Maybe he's just, maybe they called him that because he, he's good at counting. Maybe he just has a nice widow's peak. Yeah. <laughs> so this dude, he, he becomes friends with Mayhem. And Burzum and Mayhem are like, oh, that's great. This is the good times. And then they have a dispute over money. And, and it's kind of... It's kind of hard to just to, to figure out what what exactly happened, but it, I'm pretty confident it was money. So the dude in Burzum decides he's going to go and kill the guy from Mayhem. And this is Euronymous. Euronymous, yeah. Okay. And and Count Grishnok. So he, dry, he his alibi is really stupid. He he because he's seven hours away. So I guess on paper that sounds like oh yeah perfect seven hours away, but I mean that's not really an alibi living far away if you have no other alibi. Oh yeah. So so his his alibi. Well, he's left his card so his buddy could go buy a pizza with his credit card or whatever. But he left the wrong card. Oh, a pizza. Yeah, maybe like a thin crust. That sounds pretty good. I think the Norwegian thin crust pizza is pretty good. Oh, you know where they have a Norwegian style at the pie hole. They do. Should we let's pause it? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I don't know. But it was a little truffly. Too truffly for me. Yeah. So, this, so this, so he le- leaves his card. His buddy isn't able to use this stupid card. He drives seven hours with someone with him. This is another brilliant thing to do when you're going to kill someone. Is maybe take a friend, because uh-huh. then your then your secret that you did is maybe not so secret. Maybe some other people are going to hear about it. They go to the house. He 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 has like a big butcher knife. And so he, he buzzes the, the door, and, and Euronymous doesn't want to come to the door because he knows that like, they've been having disputes. And he's there at 3 a.m. like, come down, let's hang out, you know? Yeah. So he's like, oh, no. And then he, so he says, I, and, and Euronymous ran a record label, so he's been trying to get Count Grishnok to sign this, this uh, contract so he can sell more Burzum and make money that he's not paying to count the Count. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Count Grishnok cleverly says, oh, I bought the contract. I signed it. And then Euronymous was like, duh, okay, money. <laughs> and so he opened the door. Count Grishnok starts stabbing him. And then, he, and then the, the other dude that came with, with him just ran because I guess he didn't exactly know what they were doing. Like Count Grishnok oh. didn't tell the – and the, the guy that was with Count Grishnok was in Mayhem. So it was Euronymous' buddy. Yeah. So he just ran away when, when, when the Count started stabbing Euronymous. Then – he, he stabs him right in the head and apparently kills him instantly, right? He then pulls the knife so wait, out. stabs him in the head. Stabs him through the skull. I don't want to ever be stabbed in the head. And he just dies instantly. So then the Count, in his brilliant alibi, just ran out of there and left the signed and dated contract on the table. <laughs> so they caught him in like an hour, right? But he just... Anyway... This is that's kind of and then all this legendary status starts surrounding this guy, and then the the whole world gets to hear about the Norwegian black metal scene where they're all crazy, and then it spreads, yeah. and then people in Germany start killing each other, and people in Sweden start killing people. I miss Juggalos. I know, right? Um, can I read you this quote from the Wikipedia? Sure. Oystein, 
Euronymous. Yeah, it's Euronymous. Called me up the next day and says, Dad has done something really cool. He killed himself. <laughs> I thought, have you lost it? What do you mean cool? He says, relax. I have photos of everything. <laughs> I was in shock and grief. He was just thinking how to exploit it. So I told him, don't even fucking call me before you destroy those pictures. That's a quote from Necro Butcher. Oh, Necro Butcher, he is a nice guy. Like, when you first hear about him, you think, ah, oh, he's kind of that, got that thing going on. But Necro Butcher is kind of a softie. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty extreme stuff. It was a really fascinating book. And then it went into, like, the Satanic Church and the history of Satanism and kind of the history of, of heavy metal. If you really want to go back, it's one of those things where you're like, well, the Venom started Black Metal. Well, who started Venom? Black Sabbath. Well, who started Black Sabbath? You can kind of go back to a Led Zeppelin song, No Quarter, which is kind of witchcraft and Odin stuff. He sings about Odin. There's like a storm coming or something. Yeah. I just want to disclaim, too, like Michael Jackson did in Thriller, that I do not endorse Satanism. You don't? Or burning churches or murdering bandmates. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This, but it is very interesting. It was, it's a fascinating book. I, I, the whole time, out of all my questions, my main one was, what are these guys like when they're just hanging out? Was everyone yeah. joking around and drinking? Because you think of uh, the band I'm about to talk about, Megadeth. They were just kind of party animals. They just, just drank booze and just played guitars. And like that was like California good times, you know? Yeah. And then these dudes are getting together, killing each other. Yeah, burning down churches, murdering people. Being very serious and watching snuff films and stuff. And it is interesting, too, when you look up, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to make fun of a genre that I don't really know about or I'm part of. Mm -hmm. But to think how seriously these guys take it when they're dressed like the crow. Yeah, I mean, they're cosplayers. They're like a mixture between... They're They're kind of professional cosplayers, but they're cosplaying as themselves. They're kind of a mixture between the crow and kiss. Yeah. Yeah. It, I listened to some of Emperor this week, and it was kind of good. I'm going to delve into black metal probably next week. Yeah, but let's... let's this week, I'm, I'm going to talk about Megadeth. So I've always had a soft spot for Megadeth, but I've always kind of considered them a poor man's Metallica, which maybe can still be argued, but man, oh man. Rust in peace. This is uh, kind now, of the definitive Metallica lineup. Go ahead. You mean Megadeth lineup? Wasn't Dave yeah. Mustaine kicked out of Metallica yeah, for so, partying too hard? Yeah, or? so he, they didn't kill him, though. I don't, I don't, the, <laughs> Weird. I know. I was like, what's up with Metallica not murdering him? The, the, it's funny how they kicked him out. So Dave Mustaine apparently was just messed up all the time on drugs and booze. And he was so drunk before a really big show that he was lay, laying on the floor and yelling at the, the like sound guys or something. And they just basically packed up his bag, bought him a bus ticket, and then took him to the bus station when he was passed out, and then put him on the fucking bus. That's Bunch of cool. dicks. Yeah. I, I, if I was Dave Mustaine, I would be so pissed. Yeah. No matter how much of a drunken dick you are. Well, like, help him with his problem. Oh, yeah. They, they solved it in, <laughs> yeah. in the easiest way. The, the, literally the, pa- the path of least, least, least resistance. Didn't he? And that was in the 80s. Didn't he just check into rehab again recently? Or? Oh, dude. He, this dude's... He sounds like a mess, and he also does sound like a dick. I can't say that for sure. I've never met him, but from all the stuff I, I was reading about Dave Mustaine, he kind of sounds like a, a handful. So the drummer, Nick Menza, he, so they, well, I'll tell you more about Megadeth before I get into that. They're, consi- they're an American thrash metal band from Los Angeles. The group was formed in 1983 when Dave Mustaine was kicked out of Metallica with bassist David Ellefson. 
Um, they're considered the big four, one of the big four in the genre of thrash metal, which would be Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer, who I love, and, and Megadeth. And out of all those, I, I, I'm not really super familiar with Anthrax, but I always kind of, I've loved Slayer and I, I like early Metallica a lot. And I sort of just wrote off Megadeth as kind of being a poor man's Metallica, like I said. And then when uh, the drummer Nick Menza died about a week ago, I thought I would, I would pick up a Megadeth album to review. And I, I did some call-outs online and stuff. And I want to uh, thank which one of the Furtenbaas. I think both of them waited did on they both? John Ensign. Yeah, and, and they suggested uh, Countdown to Extinction because it has Sweating Bullets. Which is the most ridi- just a ridiculous video. It's the only thing I know of Megadeth and it's sweating bullets. And I, you know, it came out when I was fourteen or whatever. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's dumb, but I love it. I've always loved it. For years, I've said to girlfriends, "Hello, me. It's me again." Like <laughs> I just love how corny, like insane it is. Yeah, it's like it's like an adorable insane. Well, uh, okay, Seth Furtenbach commented, "I don't remember Multiplicity being so dark." Exactly. <laughs> Multiplicity, the Michael Keaton clone movie. Which, yeah. And that's basically what this Megadeth video is like. It is. It's a bunch of Dave Mustaines in a mental institution talking to each other and stuff. But I went with who, who above it? Was it Ryan Keen? One of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, it was Ryan. He suggested Rust in Peace. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of supposedly a, a, key, like a key album for, for Megadeth. And it has the, what's considered the definitive lineup, which is... Dave Mustaine, that uh, David Ellison, Marty Friedman, who's the new lead guitarist, who shreds, he shreds this album apart, and then Nick Menza. It, was, it came out September 24th, 1990. The cover, like I told you, is Vic Rattlehead holding like uranium, and then there's some kind of alien inside of a tube. And yeah. then in the background is, is Boris, no wait, who, is it Boris? It might be Boris Yeltsin. It is. Or is it Gorbachev? Oh, no, you're right. It's is it Gorbachev? Because then that's, chalk that up as another weird coincidence that's happened. It is Gorbachev. It's, it's George Bush Sr. And then the Japanese and, and British prime ministers at the time. Um, the guy George threw up on. Yeah, exactly. So, and, it, and it looks to be Tom Hanks, maybe? Is that Tom Hanks? Yeah, and Tom Hanks also. Big era Tom Hanks. Yeah. This album... So good. It, it, it blew my mind. And I've, got a, I've, I've mentioned I have a soft spot for thrash metal. But this was just, every song from beginning to end is, is just great. It's like how Nevermind is for Nirvana, you know, when that first mm-hmm. came out. When I heard that when I was a little kid of, of whatever, in junior high or whatever, I was just like, wow, every song is good. Because a lot of times I was sort of raised... This sounds like a strange thing to say, but I was sort of raised knowing that, that most albums had a couple good songs, then the rest was filler. Mm-hmm. I think my dad had kind of told me that, like, oh, you get a couple, you know, there's, there's three just great songs, and then it's just the rest of the album. And so when I heard Nevermind by Nirvana, I was like, wow, every song's good. In my, you, just, you start bopping. Your DJ bo- just, just yeah. kicked in again, yeah. And this is kind of a thrash metal version of that. Every song on this just shreds. And it was surprising that how... <coughs> I don't know what I thought Megadeth was going to be like. I, think, I guess I thought it was going to be just him talking about how insane he is constantly. And there's plenty of that sort of stuff. But this album is actually ahead of its time in, he talks about global warming and, the, and, and like the ozone layer. And it's kind of an environmentalist album I was surprised by. Does this one have Symphony of Destruction on it? No. Oh. No, it doesn't. But isn't that kind of one of those like... Same sort of things? Same, like 
world's ending Let's, nuclear war and pollution and well, I, I think a lot of times, I guess, I guess it was the Al, that Al Gore movie that really kicked things into gear in the modern age of of environmentalism. Like it was, there's already environmentalism, obviously. I remember the first Earth Day thing was like 1990, mm-hmm. and that's when I mean I'd never, I was just a kid, but I'd never heard of recycling or yeah, turning off the sink when you're not using it. I just leave my sink running. Yeah, and and and, and, it, and yeah, it was the first Earth Day, there was a big special. And those are prime time on like every network. Yeah. And those ideas were were kind of new, but I don't were they under Okay, was, was all this Earth Day stuff based upon the idea that we we life's going to end soon? It, it was more like we need to start taking care of things, right? Right. It, it was wasn't as apocalyptic. Rainforests and it, yeah, it wasn't quite as apocalyptic as it was with the Al Gore thing. This is str- but this it was, it was mostly like rainforests and right. ducks, ducks and covered like, in oil. Yeah, ducks and you just got to put a little dawn on that. Yeah, that's easily solved. But yeah, so this this is kind of in that Al Gore vein, though. It's it's surprisingly like the end of the world's coming. There's a song uh, that just talks about you know just how it's like Mad Max time now. And then there's the song about the UFOs. There's the... Uh, UAPs. UAPs. Oh, here's another coincidence. Is I saw the new Captain America movie. Was it the Captain America? Maybe it was the X-Men one. I saw them both the same weekend. But in one of them, they started talking about the two nuclear missiles. And one of them was called Polaris. And there's a song on Rust in Peace that is from the point of view of the Polaris nuclear missile. <laughs> which is which is the title track? Rest in peace. Oh man, if I li- if I had heard this album when it came out, I would have been horrified. What do you mean? I mean, just like nu- I would have just been scared. I would have frightened me. It would have given me nightmares. Yeah, nuclear no, war, Polaris missiles. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like an end of days, a, a post apocalyptic album with an alien part, and then a couple songs about like drugs, and but it's all kind of messed up stuff, um, but. Let's, I'm going to get to the track list. So, like I said, every song on this is just solid thrash metal. They're all really good. They're really fast, and they're really kind of melodic and memorable. The ones that are kind of standouts are Hangar 18 and, and Rust in Peace, which is the, the Polaris song. My personal favorites are probably Take No Prisoners and Five Magics, which was the most mystical of them, which was kind of... It has the, it has a, the word wizard in the song. So right there, you jump to the top of the list. If you have, you have to have the one of the lyrics has to be "wizard." I think people should check this out. I was kind of blown away by how good it was. I've got to talk about the, their drummer that passed away really quick. Oh yeah, I, I just mentioned him briefly. Nick Menza, he was he recorded four albums with them. He was a, a drum tech that kind of took over as drummer when Dave Mustaine kicked someone out. He's really great. I thought the drums were kind of quiet in the mix. But this is how he died. He, he, he plays in a, a newer band. I think it was called Ohm. He was on stage playing a concert and, and fell over and had a heart failure. He died on stage. And, and I was reading reports of people that were at the concert saying how horrifying it was and, and traumatic. Yeah. He basically just kind of slumped over. They did CPR. The ambulance showed up and then took him off and he, he died. So, yeah. So I just wanted to, I wanted to kind of give him his due. And if you're looking for more information, Wikipedia, list of entertainers who died during a performance. Really? Is, how big of a list is that? Is oh, there a lot? It's broken down by century, going back to uh, 1673 when Moliere died after a coughing fit. No. They, they haven't recorded that far back. 1675? Yeah. Violent coughing fit while playing the title role in his play Le Malade Imaginaire. 
the hypochondriac. Oh, well, there, there you go. That happened. <laughs> and then everyone stood up and applauded. Yeah. I think the singer of Morphine died on stage of a heart attack. He did. Yeah, I knew about that. That's, the, that's probably the most famous one I know about. Uh, most recently, is we have Nick Menza. Um, He's the most recent on the list. About a week before that, Atlanta Symphony Orchestra's principal bass player. He just fell over. Uh, Jane Little collapsed and died during the last 30 seconds of the orchestra's final encore of There's No Business Like Show Business. <laughs> she had been what? a member of the orchestra for 71 years. I'm hoping when I go, it's after doing this podcast for 71 years and it's the final encore episode. <laughs> yeah, There's No Business Like Show Business. Yeah, and we decide, let's impromptu, let's sing it. Yeah, There's no business like show we're in the money. You know, that's what we're, we're in the money. After 71 years, we finally get a sponsor yeah. who's agreed to pay us $25 a week to mention yes. their, uh, to mention Audible. Yeah, we'll be making it rain. We'll be throwing money in the air. I'll, yeah. I'll choke on a, a $10 bill will be the <laughs> ironic demise. Yeah. I've inhaled a dollar. Well, that's perfect because this is going to cover coincidences and performers who have passed away. This, this email, it says it's from Yahoo. I mean, it is from a yahoo.com email address, but it just shows up as Yahoo. As if Yahoo so it must be Yahoo Serious. Yeah, I was going to say, Yahoo is a, is a real name. Yeah, Yahoo Serious, Young Einstein. Mm-hmm. So he writes in, Last episode, you gents, and I use that term loosely, Whoa. talked about the eccentric Smogville duck mayor, and my imagination was captivated for about 10 seconds. Then I saw on the old interwebs that Alan Young, the voice actor of Uncle Scrooge, had passed away. Oh, wow. He died the very same day you posted your episode. Is that a coincidence? I think not. He was only 96. (laughs) Taken from us way too soon, and I blame you. I don't know what kind of witchcraft voodoo you boys are involved in there, but please don't voodoo. (laughs) But please voodoo don't it anymore. (laughs) Please, please voodoo don't do it anymore. Hopefully there's some sort of detective there in Smogville that can piece this together. Maybe a bear detective? But please, don't talk, to, don't talk about him. I don't want to read on the internet tomorrow that the voice of Paddington Bear was found dead in a swamp somewhere. <laughs> wow, sure. that's tragic, Not man. sure why I chose a swamp. Uh, signed, a concerned citizen in a neighboring country. Wow, that's really country. sad, man. 96 years old, that's, that's young. I know, and he was also on Mr. Ed. He was Wilbur. Wilbur. He was the horse. No, he was the, the he man. Was Wilbur. Oh, was you were man. just imitating the guy talking to... Talking to Wilbur. Wilbur. Well, then I know what he looks like. That was Uncle Scrooge's voice? Yeah, isn't that wild? Good old Alan Young. So, th- yeah, this could be a homicide investigation because we recorded it before he died. Oh, jeez. Today on Dateline. Yeah. A podcast Pod- starring two lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasters or pod killers? <laughs> Yep. Uh, I'd love to meet Keith Morrison, but not in those circumstances. Right. I want to meet him just in a Starbucks. Yeah. I don't want him to be like, let's talk. Yeah. Let's have a seat here. And you thought it was just a coincidence. <laughs> Dude, if, I, if I'm in trouble and I'm on a dateline, I want Josh Mankiewicz. I don't want Keith Morrison. I don't want Keith Morrison. I tell you, I don't He's want Dennis. He's a classic. I don't want Dennis Murphy. I've never... Yeah, nobody wants Dennis Murphy. Yeah. I've never been able to to look at, at Keith Morrison the same since I found out he's Chandler's stepdad. Mm-hmm. Like it's like ruined his mystique or something for me to think of him Weird. raising Matthew Perry, raising young Matthew Perry. Yeah, yeah. that's Matthew, catch with him. It's Matthew Perry's stepdad. 
Think about that the next time you catch a murder mystery dateline. Yeah. I think uh, no, I've I've been I've watched like a dozen datelines the last two days. I love it. So I've, there's so many Dennis Murphys. I know Dennis. They all have their own personality, and Dennis Murphy just talks too much. Yeah, he he's weird. He kind of looks like if a three year old was an old man. <laughs> he like looks like a little kid with his cute little hair and stuff. <laughs> oh, he, look who's wearing a little suit. He looks uh, yeah, he's like a little cartoon man or something, but. Yeah, Dennis Murphy's not so great. He, but ju- he jumps in and tries to like interject his own theories. He and really jokes. does. And Keith Morrison just goes like, "Then what?" Yeah, Keith Morrison's hit. Yeah, his his cadence and his his style yeah. is so. And then so, Mankiewicz is so sassy. Mankiewicz is just he's he's cool. He's not buying what you're selling necessarily. Yeah, he's he's a little bit like skeptical. But he's got the best ties. What are they called? Pocket squares. Oh yeah. Just check out. Watch the way he dresses. He his hair and and demeanor is like he just rolled out of a dumpster, still a little bit drunk. <laughs> but he dresses sharp, man. Sharp tie. Oh man, I love it. That's what I want. You want Mankiewicz? Mankiewicz yeah. for sure. Alex Bogue writes in. So you were talking about a young Stalin in the last episode. Thought you might like to know what that looked like. Sent us a picture of young Stalin. Goddamn handsome man. Wow, hipster. Real see. hipster. Kind of guy you'd see and you'd just hate him. You'd God, go, look at that He's dick. like a lady killer. Look at him. Oh, yeah. No, and he's got that like checkered scarf thing and a blazer. I mean, he's, he's going to walk into the bar and you're just going to be like, ah, jeez. Might as well go home. Yeah. Girl, no. you're, girl you're talking to is going to just ignore God, you forever. I can't forever. believe that's young Stalin. He was only five foot three, though. <laughs> and had a big head. Giant head, like a like, like a, a radio, like a communist Big Tom like York. A, yep. No, we'll uh, we'll try to remember to post that out there. He looks kind of like that guy in in the Motorcycle Diaries movie that plays Che Guevara. Yeah, totally. Ga- Gael Garcia Bernal. Oh, you know his name? Oh yeah, he's a big. Uh, he's a famous actor. Uh, Science of Sleep. It's- good movie yeah yeah what what's his big one his big breakthrough one in in the u.s uh tu mama tambien yeah 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 um brighton writes in hey i know that preacher is one of your favorite comic books what did you think of the show oh did that come out yeah the first episode came out um doesn't follow the plot whatsoever no i mean it does it just not exactly uh, I loved it. I thought you it loved got, it. I thought it got all the characters just perfect, especially Tulip and Cassidy. Is ours facing the first episode? Yeah, really. He, and he's really. He comes off really sweet. Does he look like ours face? It's pretty disturbing. He doesn't look quite as disturbing as ours face in the comics, but wow. um, his his mouth looks even more like a butthole than in the comics. <laughs> but he still has his eyes. And for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. No, our space is really good. The sheriff's good. Um, it doesn't seem like the Saint of Killers is going to be in it. The only thing that bugged me is everybody's hair. Everyone has really bad, weird hair. Huh. And in the well, in the comics, Jesse had like Beat It era Michael Jackson hair, yeah, which was weird. Yeah, yeah. And now he's just got this like giant pompadour, like real short on the sides, super poofed up. And I just can't think that this small town drunken fighting preacher man is going to go get a ninety dollar haircut. Yeah. Because his haircut looks very complicated, or very expensive. Expensive. Yeah. But aside from that, I thought they got the tone and the characters just right, and I'm glad if they're not following the plot, because who cares? Okay. I, this is something that's interesting, is I haven't watched TV now in five weeks, I don't think. About five weeks. At all. Ever since I started listening to black metal. 
Mm-hmm. It's really like I don't care about anything else. And then the other thing I noticed is I ever since I, the first uh, band I reviewed was Manowar. Mm-hmm. I've listened to that album every day since. For we're on out day like thirty seven. Yeah. And I noticed that I haven't been depressed in hmm. thirty seven days. If you listen is that to what those tick marks on the wall are for, yeah. If oh, you cool. if you uh, you know everyone has their days when they're down, some more than others. And I've noticed that I haven't felt felt sad ever since I started listening to Man of War every day. Well, there you go. Oh wait, I have one more thing I wanted to say. Anyone who cares about about listening to Man of War battle hymns, listen to it from the point of view of of uh, Rambo. When I listen <laughs> to it, I think of it as like a Rambo. But minus the actual, like, fighting the cops and stuff. Like, it's a Vietnam vet that's returned to the U.S. And then all the songs that are about Viking stuff and and all that wizard stuff, that's him having delusions because it's his his only way to cope with what he's done in Vietnam. So any battle song in that is actually a Vietnam flashback. And then the final song, Battle Hymns, when they're going into glory, like going to die in battle, he's actually dying in real life in an alley. Like Rambo did. Like Rambo. From but yeah, check out Preacher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So that just reminded me. No, it's, it's really, I like creating your own backstory. <laughs> it really helps. Yeah. There, were, there was one on this, this Megadeth album. I'll think of it while you continue. So remember um, when we talked about that island in the Great Salt Lake that was full of imported Russian boars? Yeah, I love that. So I was reading about boars and the different designations. You know how, Aunt, you know, like a baby duck is called a chick, and then it's a duck, and then it's a, um, what is it called? A, a uh, gosling. A gosling, or something, stuff like that. So a boar at age zero to 10 months is called a squeaker. That's not true. From right. 10 to 12 months is a juvenile. At two years, it is called a pig of the sounder. Is this a Russian term? These are just the designations for boars. These are just, just boar, boars boar terms. Three to five years, it is called a boar of the fourth year, or a boar of the fifth year, or a boar of the sixth year. This sounds like Lord of the Rings stuff. After six years, old boar. <laughs> After seven years, grand old boar. He's a grand old boar. He's an old pig. And after that, solitary boar. Till its dying days. Solitary boar? So you go from a squeaker to a solitary boar in about eight years. What, what is, is that because the other pigs won't deal with old pigs? Yeah, you're an old pig. You go, so you went from go being, off on your own. You went, you, you went from being respected you're as the, the grand, yeah, old, the grand boar old boar, and then it's, to, that's it. To just nobody. You're that's just a circle of life. Solitary yeah. boar. Then there's some other grand old boar to come take your place. Gosh, there's always another grand old boar. Always another grand old boar. That comes to us uh, from Brighton again. Robert Canfield. What up, diarrhea faces? I work in a military-cultured environment, and I can confirm that the challenge coin tradition has military roots. Oh, yeah. I mentioned this in... Uh, what in I... uh, Man of War. Oh, yeah. They're challenge coin. Yeah. That's right. Uh, although Wikipedia does not back me up on this, uh, which only means that this is probably the top secret version I'm not supposed to talk about. That's true. Uh, the version I was told was in World War I, when an officer would receive a Medal of Valor, it would generally be for something one of the soldiers under him actually did. Now, that makes sense. So think about it. Like in Band of Brothers, Lieutenant Winters gets the Navy Cross mm-hmm. for leading this assault. But he had 10 guys with him right. who also were doing stuff. They were maybe even doing more. Yeah. Um, uh, so one it, officer would get it for something one of the soldiers did. So what they would do is cut the medal off the ribbon. The officer would keep the ribbon but then secretly palm the coin in a subtle secret handshake 
to the person that actually did the deed worth awarding. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, the tradition then grew and expanded, so special coins were struck, signifying what branch platoon you belonged to. This is where the Wikipedia article picks it up. The tradition today is that when you go to a bar, you can challenge another military guy by putting your coin on the table. If the one challenged cannot produce a coin, he then has to buy drinks for each person that presents a coin. If he does present his coin, the challenger has to buy the drinks. So it literally is like, are you a true metal Manowar fan? Yeah. You got to pull your coin out. Yeah. And then if you do pull your coin out. They have to buy you a drink. They have to buy you a drink. And if you don't, you buy them a drink. It's a kind of fun little tradition. Yeah, I like that. I like everything about that. Rock on, fools. Uh, Jason Beierstein, we'll have to watch this later, but he does send us a video about the history of ska narrated by Tim Armstrong. Oh, no. I haven't watched this, but... Oh, no. I watched a, a history of New York hardcore yeah. with Tim Armstrong, and it, sound, <laughs> it sounds he, like he's had a terrible head injury or something. Ska music in, in Co- Coventry, England with the specials. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. New York City has always been a place for music. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I'm excited to watch that. I love Timar. Don't get me wrong. I love that guy. One of my favorite songwriters ever. But man, not a good narrator. He's no. He's no Keith Morrison. I don't want to have the Tim Armstrong <laughs> Tim was, uh, Dateline episode. Why did you buy all that bleach? So you, well, you clean the car right before I get, I'm turning into Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> but you get the idea. She told her best friend that if she ever died, it was you. <laughs> That's you're pretty good at Tim Armstrong. I listened to a lot of Rancid over the years. <laughs> I could probably imitate him singing, but he he talks, I guess, exactly like he sings. I, I'm just I've never heard him talk. I'm you just haven't? assuming it's like how Dude, he sings. Dude, you are yeah. nailing it. He was on oh. he was on an episode of the New X Files. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's Trash and, Can and he, Man or whatever. I could, you could barely understand yeah. him. He's Trash Man. Yeah, Trash Man. And he he just yeah, he, it's like he got he broke his jaw and his jaw can't open or shut, and then he's also got he's like he's eating. Witnesses saw you fighting at the bar before, before I bought it turned up. <laughs> You've got to listen to this now. You're, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> All right. Clay gets back at us with the strange case of Dietlov Pass. Oh. The definitive explanation. Besides ours. Besides ours. To understand this mystery, we must first take a look at the environment. The Ural Mountains are harsh and unforgiving, especially in February. The particular mountain that the ill-fated expedition occurred upon, Kolat Saikal or it's rough English translation, Dead Mountain. Additionally, this part of Russia is prone to meteorite strikes. See Tunguska, 1908, 51 years earlier, and then again in February of 2013. We'll talk about that someday. Because this mountain was devoid of life, it made an optimal setting for military testing. The parachute mines that the military were testing were deployed, and by a strange series of coincidences, converged upon the ill-fated hikers. The mines were coated with radioactive particles that would allow for proper measurement of the blast area. Calculation of this blast area could determine the effectiveness of the bombing strike even under several feet of snow. When the military personnel didn't account for it was the fact that there would be hikers on the mountain at that time of year. I mean, they'd missed their window of opportunity, right? Who would venture out in that kind of weather? These nine were unwitting participants in an experiment. As the parachute mine silently drifted down, a meteor shower simultaneously occurred. Remember, there were several eyewitnesses that testified to seeing strange lights in the sky. Just so happened that one of the meteors struck the parachute mine and the explosion combined with that of the howling wind created a very rare anomaly known as infrasound. The sound began to work its effects upon the tired hikers. Some of the hikers had been beginning to suffer from the effects of hypothermia, 
One commonly used survival practice to combat hyper- hypothermia was to lay close to one another, skin to skin, so that the heat can be transferred effectively. So that's the under- why they're in their underwear? This explains the lack of clothing on some of the individuals. Upon the explosion, meteor versus parachute mines, the infrasound created a low, dark hum, which was amplified by suffering from exhaustion and hypothermia. This low frequency, coupled with the fact that they were on a dead mountain with possible yetis, drove them to temporary insanity. Cue the cutting of the tents, running aimlessly into the cold. The infrasound reverberated, disorienting the hikers more until it dissipated. Realizing that they had all fled without proper clothing, a few began their trek back. Some were killed by one last concussive blast of a meteor striking a bomb, which accounts for some of the bodies appearing if they had sustained internal injuries from being hit by a bus. Some froze to death trying to get back to camp. The other two left at the makeshift campfire, tried to see what was going on during the night by climbing the tree, and later froze to death when none of their companions returned. Hmm. That sounds... The, the me- I, I'm, I'm with him on a lot of this, but the meteor striking the bomb really seems like a lot to deal yeah, with. Yeah, that just... But I mean... Hey. And he doesn't even mention the Yetis. So well, they were afraid of Yetis, but the Yetis apparently were not involved. The, I, I know the Yetis played a bigger part. We've cle- so he's trying to clear the Yetis. Yeah, don't don't even go there. I, it doesn't account... Well, I, I just... It, it really, in the Wikipedia article at least, it really hammers home the idea that these are very, very experienced mountaineers. So I don't know if they would be exhausted and dehydrated. Maybe. Maybe that's just part of being a mountaineer. I don't know. But that... I don't, I just, are you dehydrated when there's snow everywhere? Aren't you supposed to melt the snow in a pot and drink it? I've seen movies. <laughs> P.S. The Misfits are getting back together. Yeah, I heard about that. So they're performing at the Riot Fest. I'm sort of, te- I, I, I would be totally tempted, except I know that it's going to be, the tickets are probably sold out. Mm-hmm. They're not sold out. They're hundreds of dollars. You've got to um, read about. And I'm sure everyone there was, will want to see them. And what, I got, how quickly do you got to get to that stage? Well, here's the thing. You've also don't. Th- I don't think they'll actually play. You've got to read some articles about the history of of Glenn Danzig playing it. I think he, even at Riot Fest, he didn't play mm-hmm. one year because he because he found out another band's had a bigger stage or something. Yeah, and he refused to play on the stage that he was on and all this stuff. So, like he, Glenn Danzig is a cantankerous old man. Yeah, he he's a solitary old bore. Well, they all are. And, yeah, and, and and he he's gonna. Yeah, but he's extra cranky. Yeah. Like, the, if they actually play, I'll be amazed. That's a good point, and I'd be pretty disappointed if I went all that way and just had to get stuck seeing Radiohead or something. Well, that's, well the, the year that Glenn Danzig refused to play, they, he was doing a set of all Misfits songs, even yeah. though it was Danzig, a Danzig band. So, I mean, those people... And then he just left and didn't play. So, And then they don't have to give anyone their money back because the, these are these big festivals. So, like, well, you also saw... You know the the Aquabats or something. Yeah, I'm sure it's lined up subject to change. Yeah, it's, uh, Misfits and the Aquabats. Mm-hmm. So, so I find no, the, the, so shows... if I want to get a good spot for the Misfits, I got to get right up front during the Aquabats. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. You got to look at the Riot Fest has all kinds of goofy bands. Um, well, they've only announced apparently the first wave of announcements. We have got uh, oh, that they're the top top of the list. The original Misfits, of course. Followed by Morrissey. Oh, okay. well, speaking of another cantankerous old man, yeah. I'd be, it'd be a miracle if Morrissey plays. He throws fits all the time, too. Uh, we got Ween, Death Cab, Rob Zombie, Social Distortion, The Specials. The Specials. Naz, Deftones, Fits in the Tantrums, Jimmy Eat World, Descendants, Refused, No Effects, Bad Religion, 
There's a lot of really good bands. Yeah, it'd be pretty fun to go to. The Tiger Army, the Meat Puppets. Oh, no. Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, Dan Deacon, Andrew W.K., oh, Guar, Method Man and Red Man, The Vandals. Jeez Louise. Oh, wait, there's one in Denver. Denver's way closer to Smogville. Yeah. Also, the original Misfits, Ween, Death Cab, Jane's Addiction, Slater Kinney. Uh, Wolf Parade. They broke up years ago. So did Ween. So did Ween. Nowadays, you just get back, get, get back together. Like, didn't at the drive-in, aren't they on tour right now? Yeah. Yola Tango, Suicidal Tendencies, <clears throat> The Aquabats. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> I told you, man. I know these things. Converge. Converge. Oh, I'd love to go see them. Man, should we go to this? There's also one called Chaos in Texas that, that's a little more hardcore-oriented that... I want, might want to go to. I'm, I'm going to California Death Fest. I've decided now that I'm listening to metal in October. It's just all just black metal, death metal, thrash, speed metal, grindcore. And tickets start at a hundred bucks. I don't have a job. If I get a job sometime between now and then, when is the when is this? September. September what? Uh, the Denver one September second through fourth, and the Chicago one September sixteenth. Okay, I'm not going to Chicago. Chicago's cool. I've never been to Chicago. No, I have been to Chicago. Well, I was going to say, I how do you know it's that. cool? I don't know why I said that. <laughs> that was a weird out-of-body experience. Anyway, uh, just wrapping it up, Clay said, and, and instead of making you listen to our plans for the, for the <laughs> fall, <laughs> I don't know, when does class start for you? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a terrific, that's a weekend, and if I got time off, I could... Uh, he says, speaking of the Misfits, did you know that Doyle is dating a woman from the band Arch Enemy? And they sing in that particular pleasant way that Brighton loves so much. Check out the song Avalanche. Yeah. We'll check that out. The, the sing- I think she's the singer. And she has, like, yes. green hair or something. She's- well, did you know Doyle used to date the woman who uh, was Rand- Macho Man Randy Savage's valet? Valet? Like, the woman that comes out with the wrestler. They're called valets. Isn't that Elizabeth? No, after Elizabeth. In the- during the really dark years when WCW was terrible. Okay. She was called Gorgeous George. Okay. All right. We are we are all caught up on emails now. I think. All right, good. Been, that, that's this is a productive cool. episode. Oh, I think there was one from from Clay where he gave us a bunch of topics, and I said we'll revisit them later. We'll deal with that later. All right, it's time to go. All right, huzzah! See you in Hollywood. See you guys later, babe. <laughs>